So I hope you're doing well today. I'm going to be doing a message on James 1, 19 through 27. I'll be starting us off, um, out of the three of us. And um, I just thank you once again for being here, and we'll start in prayer. Um, if you'd all please bow your heads. Dear Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here today, Lord, to gather here, Lord, to praise your name, to take communion in your name, Lord. And I just thank you again for this opportunity. I pray that you would speak through me, and I wouldn't speak over you today, Lord. I pray that we'd listen adequately, speak adequately, Lord, and that we'd apply your word today. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So once again, it's an honor to be in front of you guys today. Um, we're going to be in James 1, 19 through 27. I'll give you a quick second to turn there, and uh, we'll begin. Alrighty, if you could say amen when you're there. Amen. Beautiful. James 1, 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, before I go on, what a verse. Verse 19 is a verse that is such a great guideline for how we should be communicating within our relationships. uh, And that's of all sorts. Believe it or not, every one of you has been in an argument before. And so real quick, I just want you to think of an argument you've been in, small Big, doesn't matter, not my business, but think real quick for me. I'll give you a quick second. And um, cool. Now to have you thinking, uh, I have a potentially a quick revelation for you. And it's that, uh, believe it or not, you might have been wrong in the argument. You could have been right, but you might have been wrong. And um, even if you were right, we know that that's not always, that doesn't mean we win the argument necessarily. Um, so if you were here last Sunday, you had the pleasure of hearing Pastor Jackson speak. It was a great message. Um, and one of the things he said, he was talking about an argument he was having with his wife. And he said, you can be right and still burn your house down. I just thought that was a great quote. Um, and that's so true if you think about it. Um, you've definitely been in an argument before, at least I know I have, where I might have been right. At least I thought I was right. I'm not trying to be cocky here. But um, you weren't really doing any good in that might have uh, might have uh, made the other person feel bad or really hurt a relationship, burned a bridge. And, um, you know, it's never something we want. Um, oftentimes, when we say things, we're not considering the tone and the context of what we say until way later. It could be a day later. It could be a few minutes. It could even be months later. You know, you're trying to go to sleep. You're laying there, and boom, you remember it. And uh, you might feel really bad about what you said. Um, I know that happens to me all the time. And so we have to be really careful with the way we speak to each other. Um, Proverbs 18 actually says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Um, We can be quick to speak before considering this, and we'd be really better off listening and being slow to speak. Um, This verse doesn't just cover the way we should communicate with each other, though. It also talks about the way we should communicate with God. In order to really get a better understanding of this verse, we need to first look at the previous 18 for a little bit of context. Um, So in the first 12 verses, James is actually talking about the trials, and in verses 13 through 15, he's talking about temptation. Um, So I want to bring a proposition to you today. What if during times of trials and temptations, we did a little asking? That's great. We need to be asking. But what if we just put a little bit more emphasis on listening for the wisdom we seek? Listening's a skill. Don't get me wrong. And we can listen for God's word in a couple different ways. Um, Two of the top ways we can do this every single day, 
all of us can do it, is through prayer and reading God's word. Um, I actually had a professor put it like this. He said, essentially, that you can, you can uh, ask all you want, but conversations, they need to be two-sided. So you need to make sure you're listening for what God needs to tell you. Listen for God, never interrupt him. In the society we live in today, we're very fast-paced, and there's noise everywhere, lots of noise. Every little thing is always fighting for your attention, and you don't want to do the devil's work for him. Maybe right now you're on your Bible, on your, on your phone maybe. You get a notification, a Facebook notification, an Instagram notification, a Twitter notification. We have all these distractions all the time, and we can't let the devil work through that. We can't do the devil's work for him. Um, this week, actually, so I was putting this message together, and uh, I've been really stressed out. Uh, I'm a college student. I kind of have a lot on my plate, um, you know, working, handling my responsibilities. And I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't pretty stressed this week. But um, so I was coming home from work. It was like 4 in the morning. And I was trying to kind of think on some connections and really get a key point for this point of the message. And um, that was kind of when it hit me. My mind was, I was brainstorming, and I had a really chaotic mind. And it was just like there was all these thoughts going everywhere. And I couldn't, like, really get a connection in place. And um, I realized right then I just I needed to shut up a little bit. Um, oftentimes, when we're seeking for, for wisdom like that, the reason we're not hearing it it's because we're talking too much to hear God speaking to us. Sometimes he just needs to speak up, raise his voice, and we realize we're kind of being a little bit of an idiot. And that was me. Um, so when I finally shut up, I realized not only was this what I needed to do, but it was the wisdom I was seeking the whole time. I was doing all the talking, and in turn, I was causing so much unnecessary stress for myself. And I know there's, there's folks out here that can relate to that, I'm sure. So verse 19 is also about really truly hearing what it is we're, we're being told. It has to be more than our ears that are hearing God. Our hearts need to hear him. When your heart is hearing God, that is when we are truly listening to him. Verses 22 through 25 say, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I'm going to read that last part again. But doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We just talked about how important it is to listen and hear the word, but it absolutely needs to affect the way we live. It's great to know the word and to hear the word, but to act on the word is what is really important. It's called being a follower of Christ, not a listener of Christ. Listening to Christ is absolutely essential. Don't get me wrong. It's very important. But as followers, we're called to follow in Christ's footsteps, meaning to take action like Christ would. Oftentimes, we don't take action, and it's for a couple of reasons. First of these reasons is fear of potential outcome. Often, especially as Christians, we're afraid of what will happen when we do something. Fear is not always a bad thing, don't get me wrong. Um, our mind often, especially when it comes to physical harm, uh, we were afraid to walk in the middle of the street because we know that could uh, not turn out so well. We're afraid to touch, say, a hot pan, touch fire, because we know it won't work out so well. But our minds, they're very flawed, and we know they're not trustworthy. So we can create this thing, we create an ego, and um, it can be very deep-rooted or visible to those around us. 
And uh, often, when we fear to do certain things, we're really just fearing the betrayal of our egos. Why are we afraid to tell people about Jesus? Is it fear of being physically harmed? Maybe, maybe in a few rare cases, but usually it's just a fear of embarrassment, a fear of crushing our fragile ego and being laughed at. When we embrace these egos, it's when we refuse to take action. We're putting Jesus and others second and ourselves first. The last two verses of chapter 1 deal with a subject that many of us may not necessarily embrace the way we should, and I'm talking about religion. These two verses state, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Faith and a relationship with Christ are absolutely some of the most important things we can have. But truly having these things means we're going to have religion. Things we don't simply do just to do them, but because we're transformed by God's perfect love. James begins and ends these verses with two don'ts, being don't let go of our tongues in the way we speak and don't be polluted by the world. In the same way that we need to be careful to listen, we really need to take great care in the way we speak. Um, I know me, sometimes I get a little too silly, you know. Um, I'm sure some of you can relate out there. We'll say something. We don't mean it in a harmful way at all, but we might take our our jokes a little too far, per se. Um, If you can relate to that, then listen to this, because I relate to that a lot. Um, Yeah. So James also tells us that we can't allow ourselves to be polluted by the world. So as followers of Christ, we're called to be set apart and living in a way that goes against what the world tells us and in a way that embraces our instructions from God. James also gives us one do, which is to care for the orphans and widows, also known as the less fortunate. As followers of God, we cannot turn a blind eye to the homeless, the mentally ill, the disabled, and the poor. The world has been hard on these people, and God calls us to radiate his love. We can't claim a life-changing faith without first changing our life. i repeat that for you. We can't claim a life-changing faith without changing our life. And uh, to close it out, I want to quote Pastor Dan. Stop talking, start listening, and live out God's word better than ever. All right, well, thank you for allowing me to come up here and speak to you guys. My, uh, my brother, Braden, he's coming up next, and uh, he's going to give you a great message. Jesus is going to speak through him, and he's going to tell you the importance of faith and deeds. And once again, thank you for your time. Testing, testing. Okay. Morning, church. All right. Wasn't that a good word by Ryan? Give him a hand. All right. So today I'll be talking about faith and deeds. Uh, if you turn over to James chapter 2, verses 14, 14 through 26. So I'm going to start by asking you the question, what is faith without deeds? Well, by the time we're done, we will arrive at that answer. Um, Let's first start by reading the scripture, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? 
In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith, his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by, the, by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Wow. There's a lot of good stuff in there. So let's start in the very beginning. Um, verse, verse 16, it talks about if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical well-being, what good is it? And that's so true. How many times have in our day-to-day lives we, t- we gone to the store and seen a homeless person sitting outside or on the road or anything like that, and you say, oh, go with God. God bless you. Someone, oh, Lord, send someone for them. Lord, Lord, bless them. But you are able to bless them. Most of us are very capable of blessing others, but yet we do not. We always pass it on to someone else. We always say, oh, I know someone, God will send someone else. God will send someone else. But if we're all thinking God will send someone else, no one's going to be sent. No one is going to help them. So break the cycle and act. There, there's no time like the present. God has blessed you with many things, I'm sure of it. And yet you can use those blessings to be a blessing. We all know the saying, oh, you can talk the talk, but do you walk the walk? It is one thing to talk the talk as a Christian, but do you really walk the walk? Do you really walk in faith? Are you walking in faith, church? I know we all like to talk the talk, and we talk about, oh, like, I've been reading my Bible, I go to church, yada, yada. But are you walking in faith? Are you living in faith? That's something you should really be asking yourself. Am I living in faith? Am I walking in faith? Ask yourself that. Moving on to verse 17, it says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Dead. Faith requires action. We need to act upon our faith. Now, I'm not saying do good works and all that. There's no amount of good works that will get you into heaven. That is not where I'm going. But real faith works. Okay, so if you truly have faith that, oh, God will bless that person, you can be a blessing to that person through your faith in God. Your faith will be working in that aspect. So I urge urge you, church, do not become complacent Christians. Do not become lazy Christians. Don't pass it off to the next Christian saying, oh, I'm sure they'll take care of it. I'm sure someone else will be sent. Be the, be the Christian that's sent. Be the person that helps others. Believe that God will take care of you to take care of them. One thing I think about, 
I'm going to ask you all a question. How many of you like Starbucks? Just show of hands. Starbucks in the morning sometimes, maybe hot coffee, hot tea. Some of you? Okay. Average Starbucks order ranges from about 5 to $10, I'm guessing, depending on how complicated your order is. 5 to $10 for yourself when you could spend 5 to $10 for another person for maybe a, a meal for that person or maybe, you know, a jug of water, some food, a jacket, anything. It's so easy to bless ourselves, but we can't bless others. Can't go one day without a cup of coffee to bless someone else. I'm not saying you have to live minimally, but I'm just saying you trust God to take care of your needs. Why can't you trust him to take care of other people's needs through you? Moving on to verse 19, saying, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Even the demons acknowledge that God exists. They shudder at that fact. They're terrified of him. But they still acknowledge that he exists. What good is it as a Christian to say, Ah, yes, I know God's up there. I know he is. But you have, you have no faith. You have no works. You have... Your faith is dead if, if that's all it is. If that's all he is to you is just, oh, I know he's up there. And you leave it at that. I'm going to share something uh, personally with you, church. My, in my current life right now, I've been praying and asking God to help, help me reach others specifically close to me in my inner circle, my family, my friends, my coworkers. And luckily enough, uh, some of my coworkers, I've been having some like philosophical conversations i have a buddy of mine he's going through like a quarter life crisis he's trying to like find answers to his life and i have another coworker. i asked him a question i said well what do you believe because he was there when we were having this conversation and i said what do you believe and he says well yeah i'm a christian i, I believe god's i believe god exists but i don't know about heaven and hell though like i, I don't know about all that and i'm like you have no faith you have no faith you're just, oh, yeah, he's there. But I don't know, though. I don't know about this whole Christianity thing. I don't, I don't know. But he's up there. It's like you're, it's the same as the demon. It's you're, you're both acknowledging that he's up there, but there's no difference. There is no difference. Anyone can acknowledge that he's up there. But having that, that relationship with him, having that faith in him, believing that God is taking care of you and having that true connection with him that that's what matters that that's what's important church works can never save but real faith works if i could summarize the entire the entirety of my message today works can never save but real faith works pastor dane mentioned this at me the other day when i was working on this sermon shout out pastor dane but um that's so true and if we if we look at it verses uh 21 and 22 Talking about Abraham, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, for what he did when he offered his son, or you see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. He had such faith. He was willing to sacrifice his son. His son. Imagine that, parents. Sacrificing your own child with a faith Strong enough in God that you know everything will be taken care of, that everything will be all right, and this is what you need to do, having that type of faith. That's a hard thing to imagine because you couldn't imagine sacrificing your own child. That'd be horrible. But he had that faith, and he was going to go through with it. 
His faith was so strong, he would have went through with it. Luckily, God stopped him, but still, he had strong faith. One thing I want to ask you, church. If Christianity was illegal, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I mean, we all know how the world's moving these days, and I mean, at at some point, I, I don't see that being a too far off thing happening. But if Christianity was illegal, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Think about that in your own life. Would someone be able to say, oh, arrest him, arrest him, he's a Christian? Could they prove it? Could they say, oh, yes, he is a Christian or she is a Christian? Could they? Think about that. One thing I want to remind you, church, if faith works, it does not stay in your brain alone. Your, your faith does not just, it doesn't just stay up here. It doesn't just, oh, yes, I have faith up here. I, I, I know, I know. But faith manifests in the physical here. It, it comes through works. It's, works come through your faith. That's what I meant. It manifests into the physical. You can you could believe all you want up here, but if you if you don't manifest it into the physical, like where is it? Where is it? So I, I urge you, church, don't don't become complacent Christians. Exercise your faith. Exercise your faith in God. Believe in Him. If if you're not sure. Oh, I, I don't know if I can if I can help this person, or I, I I don't know if I should if I should talk to them or anything. God's blessed you with so much already. God's God's blessed you with a wonderful personality, a wonderful voice. He's blessed you financially, you know, just to be here. Everything that we have today is a blessing from God. Nothing, nothing that we have isn't. He blesses us with so much, and yet you question if He'll be able to bless you enough to bless others. Don't do that, church. Don't do that. Exercise your faith. It's, it's, faith is like a muscle. Think of it like this. Faith is like a muscle. When you exercise it, it gets stronger. It gets bigger. You know, you're, you're able to work it more. But what happens when you don't exercise a muscle? It atrophies. It weakens. It withers. Flabby. There you go. It goes away. So... Exercise your faith, church. Exercise it like a muscle. You know, everyone's so health conscious today talking about exercising and moving around, which is important. But we as Christians need to be thinking exercise our faith also. So I just want to leave you with this last word, church. And if you remember anything from what I said today, remember this. Works can never save, but real faith works. Thank you. Uh, now I'm going to welcome up uh, Brother Daniel. He's going to be talking to you to finish, wrap this up. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Come on, testing, testing. Can you guys hear me? Sounds good. I just want to give one last round of applause to Ryan and Braden for their great word they spoke. Amen. All right.
Now, James is a book filled with all sorts of little truths and advice for our Christian walk, as evidenced by what Brian and Braden shared with us today. So one thing that I was really interested in as I was preparing for today's message was, how was James going to end his book? Now, I read through it, and at first I wasn't quite sure why James ended the book the way he did. But after some reflective thought, it became obvious to me that this passage is the perfect way to end James' book, and I hope that it will become obvious to all of you. Because the nugget of truth that he delivers here helps us to carry out everything else that James has been teaching us throughout the book. It even ends with a call to action um, to show our faith in Jesus Christ. The ending part of James is all about the power of prayer. As Christians, prayer is one of the most valuable tools that we have at our disposal. A direct line of communication to a God who is all-seeing, all-knowing, and all-powerful. It truly is a shock that we do not lean on prayer for our every struggle and every need. In the closing part of James, he relays three different things that we as Christians should be praying for every day. The first of these things is prayer for our physical and mental health. We're going to start this message off in James 5, 13 and 14. It'll be put up on the board. There we go. And say amen when you're there, church. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Notice for me, church, how James starts by saying to pray for our suffering. When most Christians pray, it is because something is wrong in their life that they want God to help them fix it. While God is not some magic trick to be used whenever we are experiencing something we don't like, God does care about us and loves us deeply. This means that God listens to our prayers for help. Even if it is not in his timing at the moment to deliver us from whatever affliction we have, he still lends an open ear to our suffering and lets us know that he has not forsaken us and all things are good according to his plan. So while many Christians listen to the first part of that verse and pray intensely and meaningfully when going through a rough patch in their life, Many also, on the same token, forget about the second sentence that goes hand in hand with the first. James also calls on us to sing the praises of the Lord in times of wellness and plenty. It is imperative that we don't ask God for assistance and then discard him as soon as we are relieved from that suffering. God wants us to talk to him, whether we are in the valleys of life or at the tip-top peak of our mountains. God didn't give us a direct line of communication with him just for fun. He seriously wants to talk to you and foster a relationship, whether you're asking for deliverance or praising his already great works. The second prayer that James talks about is intertwined with the first, but I've separated it because I think the distinction is important. Uh, We're going to read now James 5, 15 through 16. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Amen.
here James intercuts his message of praying for physical well-being with a message to pray for the forgiveness of sins. I think it's important that I separate these two um, verses into these two groups to focus on the importance of our spiritual well-being alongside our physical well-being. Sometimes we may be in perfect health and still feel that we aren't 100%. This may be due to a lack of spiritual health. So in this passage, James urges us to make sure that while we are searching for the problems with our physical side, to make sure we also check inwards and ask for help with our spiritual side. My favorite part of these two verses is the stress that James puts on fellowship. James makes it clear how important it is to be with other Christians in prayer. Many people try and walk their Christian life alone. The Bible makes it clear that Christianity is a faith meant to be shared and walked together. If the prayer of one righteous man is powerful on its own, can you can only imagine the prayer of a group of prayer warriors huddled together. The next two verses are dedicated to James sharing a story of a time when prayer was used powerfully. In James 5:17 through 18, he recounts, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, let me ask you, church, what good are claims that wor- and words without anything to back them up? No good. No good. This is why, in the middle of this passage, James includes these two verses to show that his words are not baseless. Prayer has real working power. In these verses, James hearkens back to a story that can be found in 1 Kings 17 about Elijah. Now, as many of you guys know, Elijah was a prophet of God that knew and used the power of prayer. While Elijah was a great man, it's important to note, as the beginning of the verses state, that he was indeed just a man. His nature was, as ours, human. This is key to understanding that we don't need to be special to pray with power. We just need to pray with conviction and with God's will. Anyone can pray. Now that we've established that anyone can pray and some of the uses of prayer, James' third thing to pray for gets into some really important stuff about how we can use our prayer for other people. Let's read the ending of James, James 5:19 through 20. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is where James starts bringing it all together. With the context of the past few verses, we can tell that James is encouraging us as believers to reach out to others, especially with prayer. As much as James champions praying for your own well-being, it is clear with these last few verses that James knows, we should too, reaching others is the most important part of our walk as Christians. We need to be actively praying for the salvation of everyone we know. Prayer works. So with that, with these last two verses, I don't want to encourage you guys to sit here and just listen to me talk, but I want to encourage you guys to take action. So please, right now, we're all going to bow our heads and close our eyes, and whoever God lays on your heart, please lift them up in a prayer. Somebody you know that could use the salvation of Jesus right now, just lift them up in a prayer. Any name that God brings to your heart. 
friend, family member, coworker, as Braden was talking about. Um, maybe it's a neighbor, somebody that you see passing through in the store and that you've made a friendly connection with. Anybody that you guys know, I want you to lift them up in prayer right now. I'm going to give you guys a second. Amen. Amen. All right. Lord, as we stand or seek gathered here in your presence, I don't know all of the names that they, these people have lifted up to you, Lord, but you do, Lord. You've heard every single one of their prayers, and your, their prayer is powerful, Lord, and their prayer works. We are all gathered here together, Lord, two or more of us gathered in your name, so we know that you are listening. Please bless whoever it is that they have lifted up. Please soften their hearts, Lord, and please enter their lives. And do your great work in them, Lord. It is only you that can truly change and truly save. So I just pray that we bless over all those names. And that everyone here as well is blessed from the message that you spoke through me, Ryan, and Braden. And that they can just take something home, Lord. And that they can learn from your word and apply that wisdom to their lives. I just pray that they don't forget about you as the week goes on, Lord, and it's not a Sunday-to-Sunday faith, Lord, but it's a full-time, 24-7 faith, Lord. And I pray that they remember that and they can look back on their notes, look into their own Bibles, Lord, and explore your word. And I just pray that you stay with them, Lord, and that they know that you're there with them. Uh, As we all head home, I pray for safety and just a good week. In Jesus' name, amen. you proud of these guys? Amen. I hope you were taking notes. I was taking a lot of them. Ryan did a great job pointing out that death and life are in the power of the tongue. I loved how he said this, listen for God, never interrupt him. I'm a talker. Sometimes I'm talking too much and listening too little. What a great word. Left how Braden pointed out, don't just pass it on to someone else. Faith requires action. Real faith works. Don't be complacent or a lazy Christian. And then Daniel was pointing out the importance of prayer. Pray for physical and mental health. God wants us to talk with him, whether we're in the valleys or how did he put it? On the tip-top mountain peaks. Wasn't that good? Good word. Prayer has real working power. We don't need to have special power to pray. We just need Jesus. Amen? Amen. Great word. Thank you guys so much. We're so proud of you. If you are here today and you've never made a decision to put Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of your life, then we want to give you this opportunity. It's not complicated to make a decision for Jesus. It's hard to follow him. He never says it's going to be easy. But to begin that walk, he asks that you admit that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he's your only hope of being forgiven, your only hope of making it to heaven. And choose to begin putting him in the driver's seat of your life today. If you're ready to make that decision, uh, we want you to make that today. Please uh, come see one of us. We'd love to pray with you. We've got the baptistry all warmed up. Last week we had three different people say, you know what? I need to be baptized. It's, I need to make a decision for Christ and I need to obey him in Christian baptism. If you have that same decision to make, you come see us in the next few minutes. We'll have a few of us up here. I'm going to ask the guys to come forward. Daniel, Ryan, Braden, if you'd come be available for prayer. Um, If we can pray for you, if we can talk with you about Christ, or you're just going through some stuff, let us know. We are here for you.
Well, we are so thankful that you came in the house of the Lord today. You glad you came? Amen. Because he is good. And all the time, God is good. God bless you. Have a great week.